Execute. Life is 10% what you make it and 90% how you take it. My name is Rick Napier, the president and CEO of Real People USA LLC, located in California. And Real People USA, the podcast, is so excited today to have as a guest Heather Vernillo. Uh, she's running as an American First Republican for the Pinellas County Commission in District 4. Heather is a small business owner in Pinellas County and works as an advanced practice practitioner, otherwise a nurse practitioner, and she's the owner of Vernillo Health and Wellness in Palm Harbor. In her practice, Heather's focus is on affordable wellness solutions, and she collaborates with many area providers to coordinate care. Heather also performs independent disability rating exams for veterans and service-connected injuries and works with a, a company helping residents with access to outpatient addiction treatment. Heather is clinical faculty at St. Petersburg College, helping mold the minds of our next generation of local healthcare workers. And she's also a mother to twin girls. Heather's family moved to Florida in 2011 and called Palm Harbor their home. Heather is a proud patriot and believes in the America First theme and always the U.S. Constitution. So without further delay, let's meet Heather Bernillo. Heather, how are you doing? I am doing well. Thanks for inviting me on. All right, and welcome to the Real People USA podcast. And Heather, I briefly touched on your occupation and as a, as a nurse practitioner and a business owner there in Palm Harbor. Please tell our listening audience and Florida voters and actually voters across the country more about Heather Bernillo. Like you said, I'm a small business owner here in Pinellas County, um, but I guess just to give people a little background since no one really has heard my name before, I grew up in Jersey. I was born and raised in New Jersey. I was born from an immigrant family and I was uh, lucky to be born here as an American and raised with that America first in my household. My family was so grateful to be here in the country that they thought was, you know, the number one country in the world. They wanted to be here and they fought and they did their American dream and started their own businesses and did what they had to do to be proud Americans. And I think I kind of took that for granted most of my life that I was an American, you know, ooh, you know, big deal. Like, I, I have freedom and I just went about life like I live in the greatest country in the world and I would vote in my elections and I got involved with um, different levels of government um, but I never really looked at local government and its importance in my daily life I just took everything for granted and I think a lot of people do that until something happens that opens your eyes and that was called the pandemic mm -hmm. I did not realize how much local government has control over my life until that happened. And then it was, you know, I went down the rabbit hole of revisiting, you know, the United States Constitution and reorienting myself in, in what it means to be an American. And it kind of got me angry. And I think it got a lot of us angry. And that's why we're on this movement now to abolish this two-party uh, identity politic system that we have it's failing us and we are re-upping our America first 
Making America Great establishment, that we are done with the rhinos and we are done with socialism and we are done with everything that is making this country not the greatest country in the world. So that is kind of where I'm at to today is that I had an opportunity in my district that a position was is opening November 2022 and I thought this is my time. This is my time as a small business owner, as a taxpayer, as an American to try to make change on the local government level. Excellent, excellent. And Heather, you are not alone. I will tell you this, here in California, there are millions of people who may have just uh, taken our, our freedoms for granted. I'm not that far from San Francisco, and I will tell you this, the people in San Francisco have opened their eyes to all of the freedoms that they took for granted, all the fun they used to have, and they thought, oh, I can still have my fun, I can still do whatever I want because I have these freedoms. And then slowly, here in California, and like you said, definitely when the pandemic started, that's when even San Francisco people said, enough is enough. So thank you for that comment. Uh, so here's my next question, Heather. Why are you running to be a Pinellas County Commission member in District 4? Uh, like I touched on before, is that the idea of this you know, career politician two-party system is it's just not working anymore. Like our forefathers who who built this country, who, who ran from tyranny and, and decided we will not have a government telling us what to do, their their idea was that politics was a part-time job. Their insight was that you were a businessman, you were a, a medical doctor, you were whatever your career was, and, and then you sat on your local or state committees. They never wanted it to be a full-time job, and I think we've completely lost sight of that with having people who spend their entire career in politics. They serve on as mayor, they serve then as city council, they move up to county commission, they move up to state representative. They're, all they're doing is just dipping their hands in the pot and the pot and the pot, and they're getting so caught up in their re-election that they forget why they're here in the first place. You know, after a while, you're making decisions on what's best for your career and then not what's best for the taxpayer. And the job of the county commission is to represent the best interests of the taxpayer. We want Pinellas County to be the best county in Florida, the best county, best budget, you know, that we have you know, low crime, that we are doing the best that we can. And we can't do that. We can't move ahead when we've lost sight of what's important. And we need to return to those original 28 principles of liberty that our forefathers had the insight on how to run government. And I guess I'm just a taxpayer, like I'm just, I'm kind of fed up. Like, I mean, I think I live in a great, I mean, I would never move here. This is a great county. Palm Harbor is a great unincorporated city in Pinellas County. You know, our taxes are getting a little bit ridiculous and there's some things on the state level, you know, that need to be addressed also. But I feel if we can get more average Joes like me into position that maybe we could make some positive changes for the taxpayers. Exactly. And just for listeners, uh, I'm in California, but I am a native of the Tampa Bay area. And I do not want to see Florida, uh, specifically, you know, Hillsborough County, Pinellas County, 
uh, Manatee County, all those counties, Polk County, Hernando County, turn into a California. So Heather, here's my next question. So I'm gonna read the question or I'll, I'll ask the question. Then I have, I wanna read your, the, the incumbent's bio from his website. But here's the question so you can think about it. Specifically, how have Pinellas County small business owners fared under Eggers' leadership? Now here's Eggers' bio from his website. Commissioner Eggers worked as a strategic planner and operations manager for U.S. Steel and National Steel. He, he relocated to Florida in 1984 and began working as a commercial real estate agent for Oliver Realty, then Grubb and Ellis. Throughout his 30 plus year career in real estate, he has marketed owner's properties and assisted corporations in relocating. He has worked with numerous companies to buy and lease office, industri industrial and or retail properties. He opened Centerpoint Realty, located in Dunedin in 1988. Now that's Dave Eggers' bio from his website. So now you can answer the question. Oh, and here's the rest of it. And this is my statement. How can a public servant with a fairly impressive work history fail the small business owners with the COVID restrictions and business shutdowns? You would think Dave Eggers would understand what it's like not to be able to feed your family, pay your employees, and provide essential services to the public. All the while, big box stores and online companies during the, during the pandemic raked in all the profits. So now you can answer the question, how have Pinellas County small business owners fared under Eggers' leadership? Um, well, it's interesting that you say he's, you would think he would understand what it's like to not be able to feed your family or, you know, pay your employees. I mean, he's pulling a $100,000 a year salary from the county. So I don't think he really knows what it's like to not be able to feed his family. Um, you know, just putting, like, just to, you know, reiterate what you said. I mean, he has, he has an impressive resume. I mean, he's so much experience in the political arena, which is why he, you know, was easy for him to run for county and, and get elected because of, he has been, been on politics for a couple of years. So I really have nothing negative to say about him. He served our county. Um, and to be completely transparent, I never followed local government. Um, I never had that appreciation for what it had on my daily life. Um, he's one of seven commissioners, so I mean, targeting him is uh, kind of unfair. He claims he wants to roll back the millage rate and help small business, and he wants to fight for term limits, but he knows the other commissioners are never going to agree. So I don't know if that's even a political move to say that he tried or if he truly wants to fight for those things for District 4. So it's really hard to tell when people are in government positions for so many years because rhinos hide amongst patriots. Um, he's fighting for the eight-year term limit, but, but he wants to serve for 12 years as a commissioner. So I feel like that's almost like a conflict of interest or I want only eight years, but let me do 12 just so, you know, I can help out with the transition. Um, I would love for him to take his knowledge of local government and what he's built in Dunedin and the area, you know, the areas where he's served um, and mentor someone like myself who's 
not a politician and, you know, take let me help help me get the position since he's reached his term limit that he, you know, believes in and like foster a new person to say, hey, you know what, let's hear your new ideas. I've been in pol- I've been, you know, a county commissioner. I've been in politics for so many years. Let tell me as a resident what what do you want to accomplish and then I will teach you this is how, you know, the things with the budget works and this is how this line item works and this committee reports to this committee. Like, you know, foster that next generation coming up. Um, you know, unless he thinks, of course, we're not going to get those 55,000 signatures needed to get term limits put on the ballot in November. And this is all just a moot point. Um, six of the seven commissioners right now, I don't think that they put America or the Constitution first. Um, Kathleen Peters is probably the only constitutional republic right now that's uh, on the county commission. You know, we have commissioners serving multiple terms. They they love the popularity and the power and the clout, but then they forget about the people. You know, the people like me that are now, you know, we're ready. We're ready to take back our our government. Um, they they're completely beholden to special interest groups. They sit on committees and quid pro pro for campaign money. Um, they get a, This is something that I learned recently is that they can actually get around the thousand dollar donation limit by making these political action committees. And I get that it is completely a legal way. It is a legal way to raise money for a campaign, but that does not sit well with me. You know, you have companies with vested ties in our community with deep pockets that favor candidates who will get them what they want. And they're the ones making these donations to over the thousand dollar limit to these private, you know, political action committees. And I just, I don't know, I follow the money, you know, I'm not a politician. I can't be bought, sold or influenced. You know, I tell people go to votepinellas.com, go and look at every candidate and look at who donates to them. And that's on every level. Municipal, we just had our municipal elections in March. I told everybody, go and look and see who is donating to these candidates. Because if a big real estate corporation or a big developer in the area is donating $10,000 to somebody, it's probably because they want them to then in turn redistrict or rezone something to for their company to then build on. And I don't know, none of that just, just doesn't sit well with me. Yeah, exactly. And I think on, on an upcoming podcast episode, we will talk about the public-private partnership and how that eventually fails communities. And I'm, I'm just, and I'm just, Heather, I'm just communicating to your listeners there in Pinellas County, what we have seen in California. And I believe a lot of a lot of the, the policies and the the logic that people are using, let's say there in Pinellas County, they're looking at California and they said, we were able to get away with it in San Francisco and Los Angeles. And we had, you know, like you said, we had the votes in Sacramento, the state capital, to push these, these public-private uh, partnerships. And the people who are in office, you're right. They don't look at things like, okay, well, I, I need to represent my constituents. It's almost like, and I hate to say this, Heather, it's almost like they're planning their retirement based on how many positions they can work in, in local government or at the state government. And it, that's all fine. You can, you can have a retirement through local government, but please don't uh, hurt 
the people who are living in the communities. And I like to use this statement. I've been using this statement lately for local politicians and uh, national politicians. The statement goes like this. Get in, get out, and then live under the policies that you created while you're in office. And I think that would that would change everything if there were term limits and these politicians were in office for just eight years, they would not pass these these um, sometimes crony capitalism type policies because they would have to open their business or work under the policies that they created. So thank you for that for that comment. And I just had to add my two cents. So here is uh, my next question. Please share a few examples of small business owners and employees uh, who have experienced financial or personal devastation from the Eggers policies. And, and, and these policies are his. So please share if you can. Uh, well, if you've, people who are listening, if there are Pinellas County residents who have been here um, for a few years, then they know that our beaches were closed uh, during the pandemic until I believe it was May 4th. Uh, this impacted any small business that relies on beachgoers or tourists, which is, I mean, that's the reason why we don't have state income tax is because we rely on that uh, tourism money and the sales tax to help kind of keep our budget going in the state of Florida. And, you know, we just we just took away like we just closed it. We're like, no, it's outdoors. But, yeah, we, we don't think you guys are smart enough to handle being outside so we're going to keep the beaches closed so any of the local shops that rented bikes kayaks mom and pop restaurants around the county the playgrounds everything stayed closed actually i think they kept the playgrounds closed until like may 28th um then we have underneath the you know, county commission you, you have your municipalities and the mayor of st petersburg kreisman he actually was pushing the county commission to shutter anything that was in his eyes a non-essential business unless that business could do their work remotely that was the only way he wanted them to stay open and i'm i'm thankful that our county commission did not follow that you know his advisement and and did not pass that because that would have been detrimental to our county um but they were very passive aggressive in making statements that they had enough police personnel to go after businesses in Pinellas County. And our sheriff, I can never pronounce his name correctly, Gulatiri, we just call him Uncle Bob, uh, said that, you know, his he was quoted saying that his agency had enough resources to enforce restrictions, especially because deputies had been freed from other posts because the courts and the schools were still closed. Um, and then Eggers chimed in with some kind of quote saying something that we need to get the word out. We're putting this in your hands, you know, play ball. And if you don't, then we have remedies. And I don't, I don't necessarily know exactly what he was meaning behind that statement. But my interpretation was that open your business and don't follow our rules. We're going to come after you. And to me, you know, they were just guidelines. They were not laws. Um, businesses that were not in compliance, they were threatened with a $500 fine or 60 days in jail. Um, the county completely restricted the free movement of its people and then dictated what you could do outdoors. 
like, oh, you could walk on the trail, but you can't be in groups of more than 10 or you have and you still have to be six feet apart. And restaurants can be open, but you can only have outdoor dining and you can only have four people to a table. And, and one million residents were forced to stay home except what they deemed were essential activities like groceries or a job that they deemed was essential. And to me, a job that puts food on the table and puts a roof over your head is an essential job. Like, you can't tell me that what I do for a living is not essential. Um, Pinellas was the first county in Tampa Bay to restrict the movement of its people. Uh, it, before Polk, before Hernando, before Hill, uh, before Hillsborough, of all counties. You know, we were the ones that were telling small businesses, no, 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 here's, let's put this yellow sign on everybody's door telling them what they can and cannot do and that we're going to come after them. Um, and then... I think gyms. Now, I will give county commission a little bit of credit. This, we did have phase one and phase two, which were coming from state government, who were saying, okay, gyms and tattoo parlors and everything still had to stay closed. But after DeSantis lifted those restrictions, Pinellas County kept them going. And that's where a lot of people, there's a disconnect on what we're blaming DeSantis's office. But really, you know, it came down to it. It fell down onto the county level that gyms, dance studios especially, children were losing their extracurricular activities. You know, they were saying, oh, dance isn't essential. Kids don't need to exercise. I mean, that was told to a local dance studio owner that you don't need to open your studio. It's not that big of a deal. Like, like my children, that's their, that's their thing. They have been dancers since they were two. And now all of a sudden, they have no in-person school. They've lost touch with you know, human interaction because they were forced to go online and now you took away their dance studio. Like, like, do we not see what we're doing, you know, to the next generation of, of people and, and then how we're affecting our business owners by telling them, oh, your business isn't really that important. So that, that's just, I mean, I get, we had a pandemic. I am not downplaying the fact that we did have a virus and that people were dying, but we have to go back to the constitution and we cannot restrict the movement of Americans and tell businesses what they can and cannot do. That is not the government's job. Exactly, Heather. It sounds like Pinellas County had a dose of what we call Californitis, and that's a disease. And it seems like the, the same playbook that was used in Pinellas County was used in California and, and most of these um you know, big metropolitan areas. And I believe the the small business owners were first in line to be uh, harmed in this pandemic because when you don't have small business owners doing their thing, you really hurt uh, what they call the, um, the tip of the spear. You hurt uh, the, the economy in, in the biggest way. When you shut down a person's ability to earn a living, uh, that's, uh, that's part of that, that socialist thing, you know, that communist thing where you take the person who employs the, the most people or is responsible for the most people earning a living, when you shut that entity down, you really shut down the entire uh, area. And that's a shame that um, that the local commissioners there uh, pulled a California on Pinellas County. That That is a shame. So, and, um, and even from the state level, though, them selling dentists, Oh, you can't be open because you're non-essential medical. So dental offices had to close 
but they said, oh, but you can go walk around Lowe's or Home Depot. And I'm just sitting here as a healthcare provider saying, so we can't do preventative care. Like, I mean, teeth, I mean, people think, oh, it's not a big deal, it's teeth, but preventative care is not deemed essential, but buying daffodils at Home Depot is considered essential. Like, these are the things where the government's saying, oh, we need to protect you. We need to hold your hand and tell you what's best for you because we know better. And and then the rational side of me is just sitting there going, how are hell? I was walking around Home Depot protecting me. Yes, yes. And to, and to add to that, to this question, Governor, Governor DeSantis did the smartest thing out of any other governor, with the, maybe with the Texas governor. But Governor DeSantis realized that something was very fishy about these protocols. And thank goodness that Governor DeSantis uh, became, you know, you know, he, he, he found his courage, which was not too far. I think he's a Navy veteran, so he's not he's not a, a shy. And, from, a, and from, a Pinellas County resident. He graduated from Dunedin High School. Oh, my goodness. Look at that. See, he I am is, so I'm, thankful. He's an amazing leader, and he is actually one of the reasons why I kind of even got this push to go into politics is watching him speak. He doesn't speak like I'm a politician and I want to advance my career. He speaks like I'm a dad, I'm a taxpayer, and the Constitution says that this is how it's supposed to be done and this is how we're going to do it, you know, and that Florida comes first because he's our representative of our state. And he's telling Congress, no, you're not going to do that to the, the people of Florida. And then uh, going down on the local level, I feel like I'm the person who would say, no, you're not going to do that to my Pinellas County residents. Like, that's not how it works. Right, right. And, and, and some of these, uh, these, uh, these national leaders, these local leaders, they're looking at places like Pinellas County, San Diego, and, and Dallas, and Atlanta, and New York. They're looking at places like this, like chess pieces. They're saying, what kind of strategy can we employ to take down places like Pinellas County, to take down South Florida? And these are targets. So anyway, I want to thank you. For, I did not know Governor DeSantis was from Pinellas County. Mm-hmm. That is, that I is believe awesome. he graduated class of 97, maybe 98, somewhere around there. That is so awesome. We must put out a call to him to get him to endorse you. I don't know. I mean, well, they can't endorse during the primaries because that's just a no-no. Yeah, afterwards. But, I mean, but that, if I could make it past the primaries, I mean, God is good. Well, I tell you what, your message is strong and um, we're just getting started because people need to know. And you said something uh, earlier that, um, that a lot of the people are just waking up. And like I can, like I can, I can attest to here in California, the same people who used to vote Anything goes in San Francisco and Los Angeles and Sacramento. Many of those people are saying enough is enough, especially when you're talking about their kids. You're talking about how they make their money. And the big uh, statement is their life, liberty and pursuit of happiness. So here we go. Here's the next question. And I I think I only have one or two more. How can Pinellas County residents support your campaign to challenge or unseat Dave Eggers on the Pinellas County Commission? All right, well, there are two methods to get on the August primary. Um, There is a petition by ballot, which um, requires a percentage of your constituents to 
fill out a candidate petition form and then you only have to pay 10 cents per form to get it validated. Um, you, I would need roughly 1,787 petitions. Um, so my goal would be to get 2,000 because there are some that would end up ultimately being rejected. But that would only cost me about $200 to get on the ballot. If I cannot get that amount of signatures, which is very daunting, I mean, I have been trying my hardest to get as many signed and it's like I, the numbers is not going to be where it needs to be by May 16th. The other option is you have to pay a percentage of the salary of the position to get on the ballot. And that would entail about roughly $7,000 I would have to pay to get on the ballot. So it's an, it's an either or. Obviously, the $200 sounds a lot better. So if people would want to fill out a petition i have one you have to have a wet signature um it can't be electronic so unfortunately you would have to print the pdf sign it um the signature has to match your your voter registration card and you can mail it to me at my office um or you know drop it off or i can thread an event i can pick it up um but it's i mean that was i would that would be amazing if I could get 1,787 petitions. I, I did throw my name in the hat late by not putting paperwork in until the end of January. So I am getting a later start than my opponent who put his paperwork in a lot earlier than me. But I think that we can do this. I think that Pinellas deserves some change. And I think that I bring a new perspective. Um, I'm not someone who backs down and will fight for Pinellas residents for District 4. And a lot of, I feel like a lot of times South County gets like all the publicity and all of the the news coverage. And we're just kind of in our little, you know, single family homeland up here and people forget that we exist. And a lot of the policies that are being passed are affecting us in District 4, but nobody really like understands because we're just a forgotten people mm -hmm. and so if we could get if i can get signatures or if i can get donations that would greatly help me um i mean not that i don't have my own money i just if people could just you know believe in me and that the change that i could do and then every i mean the tiniest little bit even a ten dollar donation helps me get on the ballot for august and i recently found out that all right, so there's three people running for District 4 under the Republican ticket. And there, currently, there's nobody running under the Democrat ticket. I mean, that could change at any moment. If the three of us are the only ones remaining at the qualifying period, we actually will appear on both primaries, both the Democratic and the Republican primary. Still have, so the, my, my fellow Democrats that are out there who think that they don't get a say in anything you might have a say in picking a candidate and you know this this is actually this is great because it gives more people opportunity to pick someone who's going to represent district four whether they sit on the right or they sit on the left or they sit in between you you can still pick a candidate that most aligns with what you believe in excellent excellent heather i know that um <clears throat> you're also meeting with lots of people to get petitions signed and I believe that you're going to get there because your message is strong. You're meeting with restaurant owners, gyms, salon owners, and other groups who never want to see Pinellas County become a California. And that's and that's what I'm telling everyone. Mm 
even the people that, that I know that live in Pinellas County, I'm telling them, and they're telling me, they're saying, Rick, we don't want Pinellas County to be like a, like a California. And like I said, it, you know, it's under Dave Eggers' leadership. And uh, so, yeah, so people need to go to your website, vernilloforpinellas.com, download, sign the petition with the wet signature and mail it. And also, um, people need to go to your website and enter their information, and especially their zip code. And, uh, you know, put some information in there and the campaign staff will contact them. And um, let's see what else. What else do you want to add? Oh, one of the things um, that I wanted to bring up is my listeners who are independent voters. I know that people are very gung-ho and, and, and very set on their independent ways, which is great because, you know, you shouldn't you should not ever vote party line. You should research your candidates and choose who best aligns with what you feel is best for that position. Um, but we do have 207,000 independent voters here in Pinellas County. You do not get a say on that primary. When you do not get a say until November's ballot. And I think that that, I mean, we have closed primary in Florida. That's just our state law. But there's 207,000 people who are going to sit back on August 23rd and have no say on who's going to be our county commission. So you are letting the, the Republicans and the Democrats choose for you. And if my advice is stick to your independent ways, definitely. But if there's a party that you feel that you most align to, I think at this point and after 2020, we either lean left or right. And if you align with a party purely to vote for your primary candidates, I think that gives you a better say. It, it actually gives you a bigger voice than when you head to your November ballot. So that's kind of Many time I talk with people that are independents, and they're like, oh, I can't sign your petition because I'm independent. I was like, well, anybody can sign my petition, as long as you're a registered voter in Pinellas County. Nice. But you are not going to get a say on who your candidate's going to be. You're letting other people choose for you. And that is not an American way for me. American way is that you are a voter, you are a taxpayer, you're an American, you should have a say, you have a constitutional right to vote and not wait until November to have that right. And unfortunately, because we are a closed primary, you really have no choice but to register with a political party. And then that falls back on the whole two-party system and how it's, you know, failing our uh, constituents. But I mean, that's a talk for another day. Wow. Wow. Well, Heather, I want to thank you for doing your first podcast uh, episode with Real People USA. And I know we have an upcoming podcast to also uh, produce and, and upload to the people. And uh, do you have any closing comments? I just, you know, vote, vote for Nillo. Hashtag vote for Nillo. Excellent. Excellent. Heather, you have a great day and um, we will definitely get the information out to people. And that's Vernillo or Pinellas.com. And please subscribe to her website with your name, your phone number, uh, your um, email address and zip code. Definitely. Okay. Thank you, Heather. Okay.